San Diego's talk radio leader, 760 KFMB presents It's Your Money and Your Life. For the next hour, Richard Musio and Joe Vecchio will educate and inform you on matters related to your financial future, your life, and your leisure. Now, with It's Your Money and Your Life, here are Richard and Joe. All right, good evening, buddy. My name is Joe Vecchio, your co-host, announcer, and producer, coming to you from KFMB Studios with 50,000 watts of power. We're heard not just in San Diego County, but Orange County, L.A. County, up the coast of Seattle on a good night, down to Cabo, out to the desert. If you download the app for 760 KFMB or tune in radio, you can hear us on any device as the show airs. And all these podcasts are commercial-free on iymoney.com. And now this is the time where I usually introduce the main man of the hour, who is a CPA extraordinaire, a family office expert, a, a philanthropist, a, a, a best-selling author, and a long-distance runner. However, Richard is traveling. He's somewhere between Kona, Hawaii, and Seattle today. So uh, I am left to do the honors myself. And with that, I would like to just thank the City Club of San Diego for hosting uh, Governor Mike Dukakis here for his 16th annual trip and, uh, and address Last weekend, uh, he's just an outstanding gentleman and spoke, uh, obviously, about politics. And um, his wife, Kitty, was with him as well. He's 84 years old now. And this gentleman, I don't know if you knew this, but when he was governor of Massachusetts, he used to take public transportation from the state house to his house uh, every day. And now that he's 84, he teaches at Northeastern University and walks two miles up and back every day to his classes. And in the winter quarter, of course, he's out here at UCLA teaching uh, up there and, uh, and then comes down here for a brief stint at La Jolla Country Day. But uh, great seeing him, and uh, he's just a wonderful gentleman. Uh, also, Super Bowl, boy, what would you think of that crazy comeback? Uh, I know they went bananas in, in Boston last week, uh, last Tuesday, and um, enough said about that. But thanks to Bill and Michelle for hosting that party after traveling 35 <laughs> hours from their trip. Um, and it was just great seeing them and seeing everybody there. Now, let's get to tonight's show. We have... Uh, just a wonderful, wonderful show for you. It's, it's two attorneys in the field of family law. They've been at the practice uh, for many, many years. And with us in studio, we have uh, Sharon Blanchet. Sharon, welcome. Thank you, Joe. It's nice to be here. Yes, and I know Lisa is uh, on the phone because she had, couldn't make it into the studio. But Lisa Christensen, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks. Uh, Thanks for having us. All right. Wonderful. Well, both attorneys, uh, let's just go over your, your bios real quick, Sharon, like where you went to college, uh, law school, et cetera, and uh, born and raised, and then we'll do the same with Lisa before um, we get into the other nuts and bolts. Well, I'll make this uh, short and sweet, but I have to say, given that we're divorce attorneys, it's your money, it's your life sort of goes with divorce attorneys, doesn't it? Absolutely. Uh, so, Absolutely. Uh, well, I was born in Louisiana came to San Diego via India and Germany, but got here in 1959. Wow. So I'm almost a native here. India, Germany, were you a military brat or anything? My stepfather was a representative for Sikorsky Helicopters. Ah. So we were with the, uh, in India because of the Indian government buying helicopters, and then in Germany because of the Army with uh, helicopters. Wow. I hate that term, military brat. I apologize for that. We really need <laughs> to find a better word. But uh, anyway, so, so then... Uh, then Got came to San Diego and never left. Ah. So very lucky. <laughs> like very, so very lucky. And law school where? I went to law school at what was then known as Western State, uh -huh. now known as Thomas Jefferson. And uh, before that, I was a court clerk in the court system here in San Diego uh -huh. and worked in the court system for many years before I became a lawyer. Gotcha, gotcha. And, um, so I've been practicing law how many years now? It's 30 years now, which I... 
am shocked to say. <laughs> it goes, it flies, doesn't it? Flies it flies <laughs> by. I keep thinking of myself as a new kid on the block, and it just ain't so. <laughs> yeah. So then, uh, so Lisa, <laughs> Lisa, same questions for you uh, before we get into the practice of family law, et cetera. Uh, born and raised where, and educated where, et cetera. You know, I was, uh, I came to San Diego when I was three, so I've been here for a long time, and mm. I went to USD undergrad and then USD law school, mm. and I got out in 85, and it's actually my 32nd year now practicing law here in San Diego, and ABC Family Law is my second firm. Mm. Um, I spent a lot of time in a civil litigation firm, about 15 years, uh, learned a lot about civil litigation, but decided to switch over to family law in 1998. So mm. that's my story. Well, well, Lisa's leaving out that she was the first female partner at an all-male law firm, Hillier and Irwin. Is that right? <laughs> Let's get that name again. What was that, Hillier? Which, what, which it was, it's Hillier and Irwin, actually, and it's actually imploded now. Uh -huh. I won't say it imploded when I left, but it did implode after I left. So, well, yeah. that happens to, uh, to many firms. So, But, uh, well, tell us about how you two met and how you wanted uh, and your desire to get into family law, because it's a challenging field emotionally, I, I'm sure. But, uh, but how did you and, and, and uh, Sharon meet up? Orders. Sharon, you want to take oh, this? Okay, well, okay. Um, I, both of my parents went through divorces, so I was a child of divorce. Mm -hmm. um, and then I was in the court system, and my judge and I were the presiding family law court. So I had a real interest in family law, and so after my children were adults, I went back to law school and got my law degree. Hmm. Lisa and I were actually on opposite ends of a case and became very good friends over the phone. And then our clients reconciled. And one of Lisa's parting shots was to me, if you ever want a partner, let me know. And my partner of many years, Catherine Ashworth, mm -hmm. was retiring. Actually, I say she was abandoning me. And so, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it just so happened that the space next to ours uh, at our building on India Street became available. And... Lisa Christensen and Sharon Callum-Carrion joined the firm. Sharon Callum-Carrion is now a judge. Mm. But uh, that started in the year 2000, and so Lisa and I have been together ever since. Isn't that great? Well, see, that's a great thing about law, and maybe that's a, li a, a life lesson we can, we can t learn. Uh, even though you're on opposite sides of, a, of an issue with somebody, you can wind up becoming good friends and collaborators on, on, on many levels, right? Absolutely. In fact, I think that the family law bar in San Diego is a very collegiate uh, bar. Mm -hmm. And, it, you know, the bar profession really promotes civility. That's We have a Daniel Broderick Award in San Diego mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. civil attorneys who act appropriately. Mm -hmm. We probably ought to have one in family law as well. Mm -hmm. There was some talk about honoring uh, Bonnie Redding, who was a longtime family law attorney in San Diego who passed away mm -hmm. way too early. Mm -hmm. who was very civil and and happy and so well i like the fact that uh it's pretty much all women attorneys in your firm right yes we have uh seven attorneys in our firm mm -hmm. and in family law uh, uh you know i think women typically uh, have been mothers yeah and maybe they take a more humane or maternal approach to the whole to the whole dissolution situation uh, have has you have you found that that helps helps out uh, helps people a little bit more? Oh, I think that helps. I think it helps a great deal to be nurturing to these clients who are going through such a very tough time, but mm -hmm. then also have the ability to be tough 
in representing them, yeah. tough and aggressive as need be. I wanted to follow up on, on the last point you made about how the attorneys often become friends because mm-hmm. a lot of times clients will not want you to be friendly with the other attorney, but working together is what will save them money mm-hmm. in their divorce. I mm. mean, you're, you're still representing them, but if you have a good attorney on the other side with whom you can work, you can work out a lot of the issues and, and try to minimize the amount of litigation that has to happen. So a friendly collegiate uh, uh, relationship with opposing counsel is something people really want to look for when they're looking for a good divorce attorney. Well, the, the night, if it ever could happen, and I know it does happen in some families where the spouses split, but they can still retain a friendship of some sort. And if you can get to that level, uh, you know, and it's not attainable in all situations, right? Well, it's not, but that is the best and best outcome for the children. So yeah, yeah. The divorce is hard on children. There's no getting away around it. And the only way to minimize that negative impact is for the parents to treat yeah. each other with respect and kindness. Sometimes the kids, and of course, it, it depends on the age level. But a lot of times, they take on the bird. They feel like they're at fault almost when it really, it almost is not their fault. But uh, have you ever noticed that to happen? Well, that. Oh, no, ha- sure, yeah. sure. We have some organizations that we support called mm-hmm. uh, Kids Turn mm-hmm. uh, and Parents Turn, mm-hmm. and those organizations help children and parents who are going through divorce to understand the effect and the complexities of it. So yeah. I want to plug those two organizations. Yeah. So I saw on your website, abcfamilylawsd.com, there is a resources tab, and there's a lot of good information there in addition to everything about uh, your firm. So, But we've got to take a little break. We'll come back with Sharon Blanchet and Lisa Christensen, ABC Family Law, right after these words. Hang on. back with Sharon Blanchet and Lisa Christensen, ABC Family Law with that great Peter Gunn movie. I guess they're always on their capers every day fighting on behalf of their clients. That's right. Crime fighters and all that. <laughs> Superheroes. I, Peter Gunn was handsome. Yeah. Super, superheroes in the family law sphere. How about that? But uh, there was a, we had a client, uh, a client, we had a, um, a guest on the show, I guess a couple years ago, Joseph Sorge. He was, a, he went through a divorce uh, I guess his net worth was around $285 million, and um, he made a movie, a documentary called Divorce Corp, instead of Divorce Court, Divorce Corp, like corporation. And uh, interesting film. Uh, I know, I, I think you were able to watch part of it, Sharon, but uh, apparently the family law, and tell me if it's the same in California as in all states, but there's courts of law and courts of equity, and family law falls under the court of equity system, which kind of makes it its own little fiefdom and makes it its own jurisdiction and own laws. Is that and rules? Is that how it works here? No. No. Okay. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Thank God. Uh, well, you know, um, I began to watch a little bit of the documentary, mm-hmm. and first you have to say that the law about what governs divorce is different in every state. Mm. So there's no one law that applies all the way across. Okay. But I believe there is a general principle that when dealing with divorce, most states, if not all, want to be fair. And that equity and fairness sort of go together. Mm. So I would say that's the general principle. Mm. And then each state has its own rules. Ah, gotcha. But it is, um, we've had a, a Judge Coton retired uh, Superior Court. I think he served in the family law department for a while. Do they re- rotate the judges in and out over a certain period of time, or do they tend to stay for a while? Oh, Lisa, why don't you take that? <laughs> God, you know, 
unfortunately, they do rotate judges in and out of family law. It's it's generally a three-year stint for them, mm-hmm. and oftentimes they'll put newer judges into family court, and it, it does make it difficult for the attorneys to practice in the area because it's a very comp- comprehensive, complex area of the law. It's not just knowing the family code, but if you think about what goes on, you have to think about real estate. You have to think about retirement. You mm. have to think about children and their development, and psychology, and um, whether a parent has a drug or alcohol problem, whether there's a domestic violence situation. Then mm. you have the property. You need to value it. You have to value businesses. It's very, very complicated area of the law. It's not that simple. Mm. And for a new judge to, to be dropped into that, it makes it very, very difficult. And I think that, you know, they may run screaming into the night after three years of it and say, I just can't take it anymore. So we like them to stay because yeah. then they really get a solid, uh, you know, basis of understanding. But it doesn't always work that way, unfortunately. Don't they try They're, try to elevate the the, the, the attorneys, uh, you know, practicing in a specialty to family law? Or does no. It doesn't, doesn't work that way? No. Hmm. No, might, we wish. We wish. We wish it did. Might yeah. be a thought. Oh, I think it's a great thought, and we would like them to do that. But so far, that hasn't been how it's gone down. All right. Yeah. Something to something to I guess. So it's really, frankly, Joe, it's unfair to the new judge. I mean, everybody who becomes a judge, I think, comes at it with an idea of serving the public, Mm -hmm. and to put someone who has no idea of that area of the law to be all of a sudden sitting as a judge, which in and of itself is a new position, yeah, into an area and. Most hearings in family law that happen on a daily basis are 20 to 40-minute hearings. Mm. And the judge is supposed to make a decision based upon the argument and the papers filed in the case. And if you don't know the area of the law, that's a tremendous responsibility. So I feel bad for the judges. Yeah. I feel bad for the lawyers, and I mostly feel bad for the litigants. Well, it'd be like bankruptcy court. If you have a judge has, does not have much accounting knowledge uh, or business expertise, you wouldn't want him or her to be in bankruptcy court, right? Well, or I, probate or right. criminal or yeah. whatever. Whatever the area. We are long past the age of a general specialist yeah. in, uh, or generalist, I should say, yeah. in practicing law. Everybody is a specialist. And even within the particular area of the law, many people even specialize in the area of the law at to a, a small niche. Mm-hmm. So here's this new judge who doesn't know family law trying to make instant decisions. Mm. Well, how about uh, like prenuptial agreements? Have you done many of those? Or is there, I guess, a, a specialized client for something like that where you have one with a lot of wealth and one, you know, one spouse and one spouse not so much, but... Lisa does prenup. I- you know, on a case-by-case basis, I will still do them. Mm-hmm. If you think it's a dangerous area for the attorneys, because I think what what you don't want is to represent the, the spouse-to-be that doesn't have assets or doesn't have money, and then if the prenup says something like, you know, you're not going to gain any community property and you're not going to get any spousal support, and now it comes time to getting a divorce, yeah. what would stop that person from just rolling the dice and, and challenging the validity of the prenup? Right. Hopefully I mean, they'll just, or hoping that they can just get some kind of a nuisance settlement out of the other side, yeah. which often works because the other side just throws money 
at it. And yeah. so it's dangerous because if you then you wrote the prenup and then the people come back at you saying, well, why isn't this holding up or why is it being challenged? Mm. That's why a lot of attorneys just they either won't do them or they just will do them on a case by case basis. And, uh, you yeah. know, you, you end up really covering your butt a lot with the client just to make sure they understand this might be challenged. There's no guarantee. Right. We'll write it as tight as possible. But even then, there's no guarantee. Well, so you can't. That, yeah, yeah, it's hard to write something that flies directly in the face of the law, right? And then, of course, the, these, the judges and family law do have a little more discretion, right, uh, than, than a typical judge? Uh, no. No? No, the judges and family law have to follow the law and yeah. family law. Well, the law, yeah, but the law is community property in California. The right? law is community property in California, but we have a whole family law code. We have appellate court decisions. Mm -hmm. It's a very, very complicated area of the law, and most of the cases that we're handling have a lot of assets, so yeah. it's... There are a lot of issues. And the other thing that's different about a family law case from all other areas of the law, a family law case has a set of issues that occurred between the time the parties got married and when they separated. Mm -hmm. But a family law case continues because the parties are continuing to, do, to have to negotiate custody and visitation issues, support issues. So there's, there's static facts and then there's ongoing facts, mm. separate from like a car accident, for example which had a set of facts when the car accident occurred. Mm, gotcha. Well, you know, most everybody I know has been married more than one yes. time. So <laughs> Me too. You're, you're, you're not going to run out of business, I don't think. It's, uh, uh. Well, we always like to see, well, one of the first things we talk about is, are you sure you want to go through with this divorce? I mean, could any kind of counseling help your marriage, mm. save your marriage? We have a list of counselors that we can refer our clients to. Mm -hmm. We are not out here to promote people getting a divorce. We're out here to help them navigate if they choose to go and get yeah. a divorce. Yeah. Well, they teach us, uh, you know, about IQ, but what about EQ, emotionally, emotional intelligence? And, uh, you know. <laughs> That's hard. It's, uh, you know, when you get a client who he or she is totally you know, unreasonable. I mean, you have, have you ever rejected a client saying, you know, I don't think I can work with him or her? She, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, if you think about it, Joe, they are going through, both of the parties go through the same stages of grief yeah. that you go through when there's a death, because there mm -hmm. is a death. There's a death of a dream. There's a death of a marriage, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And rarely are both of the spouses at the same place yeah. in the grief cycle. Yeah. So you may have a client who says, oh, gosh, you know, my wife is she's totally fine with this. It's really amicable. And then we talk to opposing counsel who says, you know, I can't even get her out of bed. She's so depressed and she can't stop crying. Yeah. So that case is not going to move along immediately because, yeah. you know, she has to start going through those stages. So, yeah. you know, it's a finesse, it's a bit of a finesse practice when it comes to things like that. Yeah. My I had a friend that I knew quite well who's a psychologist. And he said, we are, divorce attorneys are undercover psychologists. <laughs> and I think that that's applicable because part of what happens in our practice and why I think we're as successful as we are is because we do help with the emotional state of our clients. Mm. We Good. have to. Well, that's that's refreshing to hear because you don't you don't hear that that often um, in family law or, or any law for that matter where you have to have a compassionate uh, approach and still be practical and, and still fight for your clients. Exactly. So, but it's, you balance all that together. So you have to balance all that. 
Well, we're right about at the end of the show. I want to give the, uh, the first half here anyway. ABCFamilyLawSD.com. Uh, Sharon uh, Blanchet and Lisa Christensen, uh, thanks for being our guests. And we're going to come back in the second half with Sharon and talk about all the great work they do at the Humane Society. So. We are back with the award-winning It's Your Money and Your Life, and this is the time where Richard usually thanks our sponsors, but I get to do the honors tonight. So we would like to thank first and foremost ABC Family Law, Lisa Christensen and Sharon Blanchet for all the great work they do in the family law sphere, divorce, dissolution, and, um, and everything related. Also, UBS and Michael Caranta, we thank them for their support, and also Cost Segregation Initiatives and Jason Kruger. And Polito Epic CPA firm extraordinaire up in San Marcos. Um, Geiger Law Office and Brenda Geiger, all the great estate planning work that they do. Sean Puckett from Mechanics Bank just merged and helping uh, family offices and real estate uh, entities with all their banking needs in the community sphere. Tony Lombardi and the Lombardi Group, the LG Experience, helping CPAs become heroes for their best clients. And to Neil Staley and Hub International um, for all the great work they do for employee benefits. And Elite Lifestyle Management and Michelle St. Clair, helping people and executives with zero time accomplish major uh, goals in their life. A great concierge service, uh, a specialty niche that, um, that she is engaged in. Senior Safe and Sound and... Uh, Paul, Paul Hines, also Hearthstone Wealth Management. Paul is uh, not only helping people improve their assets, but also uh, stopping financial abuse of elders. And uh, finally, the Very Good Food Foundation with Michelle chickarelli Lirac heading it up, all the great work they do in the sustainability space. And they do four shows with us a year, as well as the Very Good Night Dinner in June. All interesting uh, in uh, subject matter dealing with food waste, uh, sustainable meats, uh, soil science, every, everything and anything involved with that. And then, of course, Lestat's Coffee Houses, uh, Normal Heights, University Heights, and Hillcrest open 24-7, 365. Everything served on site, fresh and always crowded, and a great place to people watch, of course. And if you get over to IYMoney.com, there is a drop-down tab for our sponsors. You can learn all about uh, some of them or all of them. They, many of them have been working with Richard for many, many years with great success, uh, up to the three decades, actually. So let's get back to Sharon Blanchet, family law, uh, ABC Family Law, and her guests talking about their great work for the Humane Society. Why don't we introduce the other two guests, Sharon? I'd be happy to, Joe. So with us today are Phil and Pam Reed from the Willis Allen Group out of La Jolla, and they are longtime friends of mine and came and helped me to put together a wonderful program at the San Diego Humane Society for Christmas. So mm -hmm. Lisa and I decided we wanted to share our time with what the good works are at the Humane Society. And mm. so that's why we're here today with Pam and Phil. And they've been with Willis Sound how many years now, Phil? Well, I joined Pam 24 years ago. Aha. Uh -huh. And I've been there 35, wow. 30 in the business. We are all like Sequoia Redwoods here, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> Just well, we don't spread that word, do we, Joe? <laughs> but that's what people want. They want to establish people with relationships and who collaborate. I mean, that's what this show is all about. All these guests that I mentioned, I, you know, Richard's been working with them for, you know, up to 30 years, some of them. So it's important to have those relationships, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. 
It absolutely is. And I know that Pam and Phil have uh, serviced some of my clients over the years uh-huh. uh, and done well by them. And I've known them personally for about 40 years, I think, and uh, think wow. very highly of them. And we all look so young. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. So, Pam, you got to Willis Allen first before, Phil? Is that? Yes. Oh, my gosh. So you've been there 30 years Since or so? Since 1982. Oh, my gosh. One firm, right, Willis Allen? One firm. Well, they are the, probably the most, one of the most prestigious. When you say La Jolla and real estate and whatever, I mean, Willis Allen's in the next sentence, right? Exactly. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> So then, Phil, you met Phil uh, 24 years ago. Well, yeah. actually, we met uh, like 34 years ago. Ah, but then okay. I joined her in the business 24 ah, years ago. Gotcha. Then we started the Reed team gotcha. as the group that we're, uh, we're still continuing as today. Now, are you both San Diego natives or from someplace else like me? Well, someplace else. From like, <laughs> yeah, like you. From well, I was from Detroit, Detroit? originally. Boy, did we but, score uh, here, huh? Did we? I, I have no... Uh, um, desire to go back. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Cam? I came all the way from Los Angeles. So oh my! I gosh. don't have any desire to go back. You're either. a California born and bred, huh? I am a fourth generation California. Oh my gosh! Jeez, <laughs> you could you could be running for governor pretty soon. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd go for for governor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the Humane Society and your passion for helping animals. Uh, where did that come from? I'll start with you, Sharon, because I, I, I know everybody in your neighborhood knows that you help out all the pets in your... Uh... <laughs> well, I have three rescue dogs, and mm-hmm. our office is in Bankers Hill, and I know all the dogs in the neighborhood, and they come over all the time. And I also have some of our employees bring their dogs. We find that that's a wonderful stress releaser for our clients who are going through a divorce, and they love the dogs there. But I have been an animal rights person and I was trying to think of how that started. I, I really honestly don't know where it started, but I always have been. I belong to men, many animal rights organizations, and I'm pleased to be on the legislative committee at the Humane Society. Hmm. So I'm very happy to do my part. And then how did you get involved with the Humane Society? I mean, there's other organizations out there that are helping animals with that. I got involved with the Humane Society because I talked to uh, someone that I'd come to know, uh, Tom Fetter, and asked him about the Humane Society, and he put a good word in for me, and then I just got on the committee about uh, six months ago. Mm. Well, that's how it starts. You get involved with a little activity or committee, you meet some people, and then uh, the next thing Then it goes. (laughs) We put together this program, Whiskers in Wonderland, at Christmas time, where we donated money, and we'll get into the specifics in a minute. Mm-hmm. But that came about in a very unusual way. Uh, my daughter, Stacy, mm-hmm. uh, lives with me, and she was on the computer and read in November about a woman in Sacramento who had heard about the overcrowding at the shelter in Sacramento. She was a realtor. Uh, she is a realtor. And she offered to pay all adoption fees for getting all of the animals, as many as possible, out of the shelter. Mm -hmm. And it turned out that it was so successful that all the animals were adopted, and then others were brought in, and more were adopted. And I was quite depressed after November the 8th, and I wanted to do something (laughs) that would lift my spirits. And I thought, as I sat there in my living room, why can't I do this? And so I thought about it and uh, decided I would try to do it. Mm -hmm. And then... On Sundays, I go to the La Jolla Farmer's Market, and I knew I was going to call Phil and Pam, but who do I run into but Phil? And we have a conversation about it, and Phil jumped right in and said, I want to be part of this. 
And so we did it. And that's how this happened. Isn't that great? Well, um, what was how that conversation go, Phil? I mean, uh, did, did you know the specifics? <laughs> well, yet? It, you know, it was very interesting. And uh, when Sharon mentioned it to me, she said, why don't we just get a bunch of people together and we'll get some donations going and see if we can get a certain chunk of money together so we can really get a lot of dogs adopted through the Christmas season. Mm-hmm. And I said, Sharon, why don't you and I just do this ourselves? It's so close to Christmas. Yeah. Going out and getting donations is going to be tough. I mean, this was about, I think the... Just a few weeks before Christmas. Yeah, yeah. it was like maybe the 10th of December. Yes. So, or maybe a little earlier than that. But it was in December. And so she said, yes, let's just do it. So I went back and told Pam we're donating a big chunk of money. Not sure what her response would be, but she was, <laughs> she was excited about it. And so that's how it got started. It was as simple as that. I, I never dreamed that that would be this overwhelmingly positive response. And so we just did it ourselves. And then the Humane Society jumped in and put together the Whiskers in Wonderland program. Is this the first year they've done something like this? Well, or? the, the whole, Humane Society does a lot of wonderful programs. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is one that they did at Christmas time, and they put it together for us. And 386 animals were adopted in, I think it was only a one-week period of time. Yeah, December, I guess right before Christmas. So, uh, yeah. Phil and Pam, are you pet lovers too? Do you uh, do you give out treats to all the dogs in the neighborhood, like Sharon here? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a little bit of a story. Pam could yeah. probably talk about that. Well, there is a story about uh, our last dog. Mm-hmm. Uh, his name was CP, and he was a beautiful golden lab. Mm-hmm. And you know, every year at the Christmas parade in La Jolla, mm-hmm. they have dog adoptions. And so I saw this dog, and I had a friend by the name of Suzanne who just said. Look at that face. <laughs> That's it, right? You, were... you cannot <laughs> pass that one up. And so Phil was out of town, and I got the dog. And Phil had a nice surprise when we came home. He said, honey, I thought we agreed we weren't going to have a dog. <laughs> <laughs> but you said, look at that face. <laughs> I said that, and for the next 15 years, he loved the dog as much as I did. Yeah, uh, that's true. <laughs> well, you know, there's much to be said about you know, pets and dogs and ca- on many levels, how they help us out psychologically, mentally, emotionally, uh, and professionally, for that matter. But anyway, uh, we've got a break. We've got a break coming up, don't we, J- uh, Justin? Let's play a little music. We'll come right back with Sharon Blanchet, Phil and Pam Reed, all about the Humane Society right after this. Hang on. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Everybody over 40 or 45 or 50 must remember Lassie. Is it still running? Because I know we're we're rerunning a lot of shows on Channel 8.2, and, you know, we got Columbo on and and Perry Mason and everything else. Uh, I was telling Sharon before Johnny Carson's on another, you know, every night now. So Lassie must be somewhere. I'd know. like to know oh. that for yes. my grandchildren. Well, you I know what? Seen it. We're going to have to start Googling around for that. Yeah. Uh, but um, anyway, that was a great show, Lassie. Boy, how many colleagues must have got? Now I got to tell a story. I was in O'Hare, O'Hare Airport once, and I, this is when the days of 747, and I see this immaculately groomed collie. And it, it must have been the trainer. This guy had a blue suede jacket, the white hair combed back. This dog had a uh, on a gold leash, and he walked right on the plane with this dog in the first class. Mm. <laughs> so you thought you saw Lassie. I think I it had a who <laughs> could have been. <laughs> it was a celebrity. And I heard there was more than one Lassie, by the way, and I don't know which one it was. But boy, oh boy, that that dog walked right on the walked right on the plane. I I was just floored. But um, anyway, I digress. But. Um, 
the importance of pets in our lives. I mean, come on. Uh, how many people do you know have uh, been depressed or whatever, and they've gotten a pet, and it's just turned their life around, uh, or illness, right? That's it does. Of- and if, um, if Hunter, the lab, we have a white lab that comes to the office quite often. If he's not there and one of my clients who's used to seeing him comes in, they are sorry that Hunter's not there. Mm-hmm. Yesterday we had two dogs there, mm-hmm. and it really helps calm things down and separation anxiety (laughs) (laughs) makes me happy (laughs) well you know you travel out my friends when they travel maybe this happens you Sharon when they go out of town and they have to leave the dog because the dog goes into a depression I mean because they get (laughs) (laughs) people really get attached yeah I mean I go what's wrong with the with the uh, the dog and he go well uh, you know he misses Bill I go oh my gosh you know things like just moping around, and, you know, that's not his normal behavior. So, it's, Well, I miss my dogs when I go on vacation, so I make friends with dogs wherever I go. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, our dog, whenever we went on vacation, where we took him, he had so much fun with the other dogs. When we came back and came to get him, he said, well, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> he wanted to stay. <laughs> <laughs> that could happen. <laughs> well, hats off to like to Gina and you and, and you folks. I mean, you you allow dogs to come in. You tell us about your dog day at, at Willis Allen. Tell us what goes on there. That sounds like fun. Well, we have dogs in the office actually quite a bit because probably most of the agents have dogs, um, so they come into the office regularly. Um, we did have a, a, a while ago a big picture of everybody at Willis Allen with their dogs. Mm. Uh, and uh, Yeah, it was one of the advertising things that Willis Allen did. So it is fun. We have an office how about, with... How about just a group photo of just the dogs alone and have them like at the, <laughs> have them at their desks, desks would, and things? That and would the, probably be the best. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't do it that way. A Willis Allen calendar, a dog calendar. That'd be fun. Yeah, think that about that. <laughs> I don't want us to forget about the cats. And I don't, and the birds True. and the other animals that are the well, humane society. Into, <laughs> let's get yes, let's get into whiskers and Wonderland because we only have about uh, seven minutes left here, six minutes to go. But um, so, who conceived of this plan? This uh, this is I guess uh, Sharon. Well, uh, I Stacey, had this, the idea. Phil mm-hmm. jumped in, and then the Humane Society put the name to it, Whiskers and Wonderland. And the idea was what you were going to subsidize or underwrite what? Well, the idea was, and I guess I can. There's no, we can each say we each put in ten thousand dollars. And the idea was that we would be paying the adoption fee for any of the animals at the Humane Society that were finding their forever home. Hmm. And we hoped that uh, that would be a lot of animals. And it turns out it was 386 animals that went home. Several of them had been at the Humane Society for over a year. So we felt really good about that. That's amazing. So that happened from December 16 to 24. Yes. There was one bird, 107 cats, 128 dogs, one chinchilla. Where do you get a chinchilla, (laughs) Kelly? My gosh. Well, at least it wasn't for a coat, which is a good thing. Yeah, three guinea pigs, I'm going to say 95 kittens, 29 puppies, 19 rabbits, and three rodents. And um, all in one week. Boy, that that just floors me. That's amazing. Kelly must have done a lot of good PR for that, right, and, and, and whatnot. And, of course, you folks probably. And Channel 8 did as well, by the way. They came out and did a story on us. Oh, really? Wonderful, yes. wonderful. Well, you were saying Larry Himmel did a spot with you once, too. We had Miles on Well, many week. years ago, there was a whole other connection with that and mm-hmm. something that I did, but yeah. let's not yeah, we're gonna, talk about it here. Well, Larry, <laughs> well talk about birds. They're gonna, the, Miles Himmel, the Larry Himmel Neighborhood Foundation, they're going to have a, uh, an event in late February at uh, a bird sanctuary in Del Mar, which I didn't even not, I did not know about. Did you know about the bird sanctuary in Del Mar? The, 
Yeah, so we'll talk more about I, that. I think it's near Papelmoose. Really? Restaurant, yes. We'll have to figure that, find out more about that. But uh, I, I plan to go to that because I've never been, but it's, I think, Sunday the 26th at noon. And look on our website for more of that information, IOI Money. Well, we're doing another program for Valentine's Day at the Humane Society. Ah, tell us about that. Sponsor. It's called Adopt Your One and Only mm. in time. And so it starts on the 10th of February and will run through the 20th. And what we're putting up for adoption are the dogs that need to go to a home where there are no other pets. Mm. Hint, hint, Pam and Phil. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> because they have to be the one and only. Right. And they may have, you know, the Humane Society does a wonderful thing. They bring in animals from the other shelters, or some people call them the pound. Mm-hmm. And animals that have some maybe behavioral issues on the surface. Mm-hmm that might make them a little bit less adoptable. Mm -hmm. And the Humane Society works with them to make them more adoptable because we are trying to be a Mm. no-kill city. That is great. That's really important. That's important work the Humane Society does. So, Kelly, your main site's down on Gaines, right? Yes. And um, how many animals do you have? How many animals do you have there? Oh, gosh. Uh, Well, between all of our campuses in San Diego, Escondido, and Oceanside, we have about 1,500 animals in our care on any given day. So the main ones, so you have a total of three facilities? Yes. Sydney Humane Society, wow. And you've been around for how many, since when? Oh, since 1880. Yeah. About 137 years now. Isn't that something? Where, Where are your campuses? We have the San Diego location and then one in Escondido and Oceanside. Okay. And San Diego one's down near, uh, kind of near USD, down the hill there on uh, Gaines, yep, right? exactly, on near Gaines the, Street. There's, there's a police, off of Friars Road mm-hmm. there, right? Okay. Yep, exactly. Friars and Napa, kind of near there, right? Mm-hmm. Wow. Thank you. Boy, that's, I did not know they had that many animals. <laughs> that's a lot of staff, right? I mean, and a lot of uh, cleanup crew, too. <laughs> We'd have to do a lot of campaign, Sharon. <laughs> yeah. I know. Wow. I'm, I'm prepared. <laughs> Boy, that that is really something. But um, and that's just at the Humane Society. Remember, we have all the pound. Ah, are they connected to the Humane Society or not? Not really. Those are those are through the county, right? And exactly, and yeah, we're all independent organi- organizations. Yeah. So um, there's about forty five thousand homeless pets that enter shelters in San Diego alone each uh, year. Wow. And then how many do you get? Well, you only have fifth, room for 1,500, we right? H- we help about 30,000 animals a year, 20,000 companion animals, and then 10,000 wildlife. God, 45,000. Jeez. The, so there's those... a new wildlife center that they're doing. You want to tell them about that, Kelly? Oh, yeah. We're building a new care center. for. We merged with Project Wildlife a couple of years ago. So mm-hmm. um, we care for 10,000 injured and orphaned wild animals each year hmm. uh, in a, a basically in a trailer. So we're building a new care center in the coming year um, that will give us more space to be able to take care of these animals and get them the help God, that they need. Who knew it was that many? Jeez, that's... <laughs> uh, is it is the problem... I mean, why are there so many... Ab- is, there, is it an abandonment of animal issue? Is it um, some people have money issues and can't care for them? Or I, and it's, of course, a, it's a lot, yeah. Sometimes it's a financial reason, and a lot of times it's um, you know a behavior issue in the mm-hmm. animals that people don't know how to deal with or don't have the time to deal with. So no. we really focus on providing people with the tools and resources to be able to care for their pets. Well, I would hope they'd, they their first call would be to the Humane Society rather than the pound, right? Because um, they probably have to put many to uh, euthanasia, euthanize many. Well, well, the great thing is that we're all working together. All shelters in San Diego and the San Diego Animal Welfare Coalition have made a commitment to mm. keeping our community at zero euthanasia. So really? uh, we great. celebrated the one-year anniversary of that last July. So That's fantastic. now moving forward, no animals will be... Um, 
um, unnecessarily euthanized. Wow, that is great. That's great to hear. There's yes, a, a program at the Humane Society that, if we have time, Kelly can talk about. But um, once a month, as I understand it, people who have trouble uh, supporting their pet mm-hmm. with food or other services, uh, they can come to the Humane Society and there's food and, and there's vet services for their pets. Because part of how to stop all this, besides neuter and spaying, would be to prevent people from having to turn in their pets because they can no longer afford to keep them. It's They have uh, to make a choice. Gotcha. Do they feed themselves and their children or do they feed their pets? Gotcha. We don't want them to have to make that choice. So, so get the on their website. Website again for you is what? Uh, it is sdhumane.org. If you have wonderful. any um, issues with your pets, reach out to us, see the website, give us a call because there's a chance that we have some way we can help you. Wonderful. And I have to thank Sharon Blanchet, Lisa Christensen, ABC Family Law, Team Reed, Phil and Pam Reed from Willis Allen for making such a great show for us today. And um, I'd like to thank on the board Justin Hart, our, our board operator, also, also Richard Musio, Travel Safely, and to Dave Sniff, our programming genius here at KFMB, and to Craig Blanke, our con executive. Thank you for all your help. All these podcasts are commercial-free on iymoney.com. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye now. Thank you, Jeff.